So I'm sure you heard the news out of Ireland. Uh, Ireland, once a devoutly Catholic country, but no longer, voted a few days ago to repeal the amendment that prohibits abortion in their, in their country. So another way of putting that is they voted to remove human rights from unborn children. They voted to unperson unborn people. And it was a landslide, 64% in favor of killing children in Ireland, 34% against, twice as many for as against. And this was, I believe, uh, basically an exact reversal of what the ratio was when the amendment was first passed. Ireland, like the rest of the West, Ireland has been on a steep cultural decline for many decades, and it ends here. It ends in, in uh, absolute moral relativism and nihilism and bloodshed. That's where it always ends. Many, most other Western countries had arrived at that point a long time ago. It took, it took Ireland longer because Ireland was much more steeped in faith. So it took them longer to arrive at that point. And it's a very, very sad thing, especially for people like myself who have Irish heritage. It's a very sad thing to witness. And I, I think it's interesting to note, and this is kind of a separate conversation. I don't want to get too sidetracked. Maybe I'll do a separate show about this. But it's interesting to note that in Ireland, there's been a very steep decline in church attendance that's, that has correlated um, with all the other, with, their, with, with the general cultural descent. And of course, again, ac across the West, this has been the case that fewer and fewer people every year are going to church. Uh, certainly, it's been the case in our country. But it's been a very dramatic decline in Ireland because if, if you go back 40 or 50 years ago, or even maybe even more recent than that, like 30 years ago, you would find that in Ireland, basically everybody goes to church, right? And now, the vast majority of people don't. And it's no coincidence. People stop going to church, stop practicing their faith like that, and then you have things like, what happened this weekend in Ireland. And I, the, the main reason I wanted, wanted to note that is because in our country, I, I often will talk to Christians who will claim that going to church doesn't matter. And it doesn't really matter if you go to church or not. Um, and it's not surprising that that point of view is so prevalent because church attendance is becoming a rarity in America. But so I talk to Christians and say, well, going to church doesn't matter. If that's the case, that it doesn't matter, then why is it that there is always a correlation between a country losing its faith and a country uh, and the people in the country not going to church anymore? Why is it that those things are always connected? People stop going to church and the faith, a decline in church attendance always coincides with a decline in faith, always. There is not one single example in the entire world of a country where the people stopped going to church, but the faith remained strong. Not one single example. Why is that? Why is it that in every country where people stop going to church, the faith is suffering enormously? It's kind of interesting, isn't it? I mean, it would seem, it would almost seem that going to church is a really important thing. Actually practicing your faith that way collectively together is extremely important. And when you stop doing that, um, everything else falls apart. That's how it would seem. Unless you can point to an example. Just give me one example of just one, one country where the faith is very strong and people are on fire with the faith in their country. And culturally, the country looks exactly as you would expect it to look. It's not legal to kill babies. You know, gay marriage doesn't exist. 
Families are strong. Marriages are strong. The faith is strong. But people don't go to church. Give me one example of that. Just one. Um, so anyway, people were jubilant in Ireland. Um, the streets were filled with tearful, happy people who were overcome with joy because they can kill babies now. Abortion will be legal up until 12 weeks. And uh, after that, abortions will only be legal where the health of the mother is at risk. But you have to look at the fine print there because health of the mother includes mental health. So if the mental health of the mother is at risk, then you can get abortions after 12 weeks as well, which means that abortion is effectively legal after 12 weeks also because mental health is a, a qualifier that can justify literally any abortion because any woman can say, well, my mental health will suffer if I have this baby. And there's no way to disprove that whatsoever. So, you know, abortion is legal um, up till 12 weeks and beyond in Ireland. Now, I wanted to read a little bit from, um, just because I think it's very revealing. So, and it's also revolting, I'm just warning you, but I wanted to read a little bit from the CNN report um, on this scene in Dublin after the, uh, after the, the, the results of the, of the vote were announced. So it says, um, it was a scene of jubilation as some supporters burst into tears. Others began laughing as they hugged one another and asked each other, can you believe we did this? Emma Gallagher, 22, began crying as she heard the final results. I feel safe now. I feel comfortable, she told CNN. It felt for a long time women didn't matter. Now we know that we matter. Except for women who females in the womb, you know, they don't matter. But Renee Wogan, 66, held Gallagher's hand and told her, it was all for justice. You're forwarding the flag for all women. Thousands of people packed the square in front of Dublin Castle as abortion rights politicians, including the Irish prime minister, also joined the celebration. He told Sky TV he expected legislation to be voted through by the end of the year. Another woman uh, says, uh, I feel enormous relief and great pride in the people of Ireland who didn't, who didn't know uh, what they thought about it until they were finally asked the question. It has been a long and very hard road, but we never lost sight of this because it's so central to the existence and the selfhood and the personhood of women to have that control over our bodies. Killing babies is central. Think about that. Killing babies is central to the existence of women. Think about that statement. Abortion is central to the existence of women. And it's the only way that they can have selfhood and person. They, according, according to this person, abortion, women cannot even have a self. They can't even have selfhood. They cannot even be a self without, without the ability to kill babies. And not just kill babies, but kill their own children. It's a competition, you see, in the minds of pro-aborts. It's a, there's a competition. There's this eternal struggle between women and their offspring. And women in Ireland just won the competition. Now, as I said, it was in reality a sad, sad day for, for Ireland and the Irish people. And I assure you of this, that history will look back on scenes like the one I just described. They'll, they will look back in scorn and contempt 
and ridicule, and they will judge us swiftly and harshly and fairly for our sick enthusiasm for killing babies. And, and the other thing is, when, when history looks back on our country in America or Ireland or anywhere else in the West where this goes on, there's not going to be any nuance to their judgments. It's just like when we look back on slave owners. We don't make any attempt to understand their position with nuance or to, you know, understand in context or whatever. We don't do that. We look back on slavery and slave owners and we say it's a, it was a, we say it's a, it was a it was a terrible debased evil and these were all evil people and that's it. And that's how they will live for the entirety of the rest of the human race. Um, or that's how they'll exist in our minds, right? And that's what people will do. And later on, um, when history looks back on this era, the abortion era, for one thing, abortion will be the thing that defines us, nothing else. Just like slavery defined that era, abortion is what defines us. And nobody's going to take the time to understand it in context or anything or to understand it with nuance. They're just going to write off our entire era, our entire civilization as a bunch of bloodthirsty, self-worshipping, baby-killing psychopaths. And they won't be wrong. They will not be incorrect. And we will deserve their judgments. But this story and, um, and the enthusiasm and celebration that surrounds it, it does illustrate one important thing. That the pro-abortion left, despite what they may claim, the pro-abortion left, they do not see abortion as a necessary evil, okay? Um, it is, it is it, it, to them, it is, it's not a sad thing that is sometimes necessary. They may claim that nobody likes abortion, nobody is pro-abortion. Every time I use the phrase pro-abortion, I have pro-abortion people who say, well, nobody's pro-abortion. What are you talking about? Nobody's, nobody's in favor of abortion. It's just that sometimes it's necessary. We, we, we need to have that right for women in the unfortunate situation, the tragic situation where it's necessary, uh, we need to have it available to them. But that's simply not the case. Just look at the jubilation and the tears and the just ecstasy of these people in Ireland. They love abortion. They are happy when babies die. They are happy about it. If you tell them in America, you know, 60 million abortions, 60 million babies are dead. They, they're happy about it. The people like this, the kinds of people that were in the street in Ireland, crying tears of joy. They're happy about racking up those numbers. They love abortion. It is not a necessary evil. It is, in their minds, a necessary good. If it were otherwise, okay, if they were really just pro-choice and not pro-abortion, and if they just thought that, well, a woman has to have this choice, but it's really unfortunate when the ch a choice needs to be exercised, then there wouldn't be all of this celebration. The response to this vote in Ireland would be somber and muted and restrained. They wouldn't be throwing a parade and crying tears of joy because they would recognize that even in their minds, you know, from this perspective, they would say to themselves, okay, well, it's good that women have this right, this, ne this necessary right, uh, but it is going to result in a, in a, in a lot of uh, bloodshed 
And that's a very sad, unfortunate uh, thing. It, in their minds, it may be a necessary thing, but it's very sad. And so that's how they would react to it. They would not be crying tears of joy and saying, we did it, we did it, yes, and throwing their, their arms up in the sky and just, yes, babies are dying, hooray. They wouldn't be doing that. They do that. I mean, it's very simple. When you see people celebrating and crying tears of joy in the street and you find out that they're doing this because abortion is legal, they love abortion. They are so pro-abortion. I mean, they are more pro-abortion than they are pro-anything else. It's the thing that they are most in favor of in life. And it's important for us to understand that the pro-abortion left is, is led by people like this. This is what you find on the pro-abortion left. Leading the way are a bunch of people who really do love abortion. It's their high sacrament. They revere it. They bow before it. They have a, it is a high, holy, beautiful thing to them. And they have, they really have a reverence for it. And they approach it with a satanic enthusiasm. It's a, the only thing I could really can compare the enthusiasm to is, uh, is I've read a couple of uh, very fascinating books about the Aztecs and especially Cortez and uh, the Spanish conquistadors and their, um, how, they, how they conquered the Aztec people, which was a great, a great moment for, for human history and a, a great victory uh, that I still thank God for, that the Aztec civilization was destroyed uh, because it need to be, needed to be destroyed. It was, uh, the Aztec civilization was easily the most satanic civilization that has ever existed, the, the most evil, twisted, satanic, perverted, depraved, bloodthirsty civilization that has ever existed on the face of the planet. And I would probably include even, I'd put it even below uh, the Nazis or above the, you know, however we're phrasing that. But the human sacrifice that went on in the Aztec civilization was uh, just uh, beyond anything you can imagine. I mean, tens of thousands. And there weren't that many people, you know, we're talking about a few million people probably. So this, this is tens of thousands of, of humans, often children were slaughtered in human sacrifices every single year. And there were cases, there was one case, uh, one, one instance where a new temple was built and to kind of coronate this temple, they sacrificed tens of thousands of, I think it was something like 80,000 people in the span of a couple of days. They sacrificed on, on this temple to baptize it in the blood of these sacrifices. The way that they did these, uh, these sacrifices is, is they would take Usually these were prisoners that they caught, slaves. Uh, they also demanded tributes to be paid by all of the, all of the different tribes that they uh, had conquered and subjugated. They demanded these tribes provided tributes of human sacrifices on a, you know, on a, on a regular basis to keep things going. And uh, which is one of the reasons why when, Horte when uh, Cortez came, he had no problem enlisting other Indian tribes to help him defeat the Aztecs because they had all been enslaved by this barbaric, horrific civilization of, um, of bloodthirsty cannibals. So anyway, they would bring the, the, the sacrifices up to the top of the temple. They would lay them on a slab and the high priest would cut open while the person's still alive. They would cut open the person and rip their beating heart out of their chest. And then they would push the, uh, the, the dead bodies down the temple steps 
and the ling- limbs would be hacked up and eaten at the bottom of the steps. Okay, this is what this is what went on for, for among the Aztecs. There was this real, and Cortez himself is one of the ways we know about this, is um, when the Europeans witnessed this stuff going on, you know, and they, it was just unlike anything they'd ever seen or could conceive of. But there was this, like, they went into this trance. They went into this real, this demonic trance, this almost orgasmic ecstasy that they had when they were killing and devouring people. And the reason I bring that up is that's the only thing I can think to compare. The scene in Ireland with people in the streets, again, this almost orgasmic ecstasy over the mass slaughter of babies. It's the only thing historically that I can think to compare it to. So, and those are the people like the, high, like the Aztec high priests who just love abortion. And they really see it as a, it is like a sacrifice to their satanic gods. And it, it, we, we must do this. We must kill these babies. They are, um, they're the ones who are leading the way. Not just among, on the pro-abortion left, but on the left generally. And of course, to distinguish pro-abortion left from the other kind of left, it doesn't make any sense because there is no other kind of left. The left is pro-abortion, you know, and, and you can't be on the left if you're not pro-abortion. So they're the ones leading the way. And then at, a, at kind of the lower level, you have sort of the mass of pro-abortion people, the majority of pro-abortion people, and they perhaps don't have the same kind of enthusiasm. They're not going out into the streets and crying tears of joy about it. But they also, neither do they have anything approaching somber restraint. They are empty and numb. They see the sacrifice of human children as necessary and good, though they still get a certain kind of queasy feeling in their stomach about it sometimes. But then they feel guilty for having that feeling and they try to suppress it. But they are pro-abortion. They, they, are, they are not restrained about it and they really are not sad about it. They don't see it as a sad thing. And these two groups, the bloodthirsty abortion enthusiast and the admiring abortion supporter, they comprise the majority of the pro-abortion left. Now, way, way, way out on the fringes, you have a few people who really do hold to the pro-choice but not pro-abortion mantra in that they really don't like abortion and they find it detestable personally but they just can't bring themselves to call for its, pro- for its prohibition because they've been so brainwashed and indoctrinated. But they, you know, they really do acknowledge within themselves that this is a sad and, and terrible thing. But because they've been brainwashed, they think that, oh, it's, it's necessary for some reason. Those people, the people like that, and it's a dwindling minority of people, but there is, there's, there's definitely hope for them. They have a heart still. They have a conscience. And so you can reach out to them and connect with them. There is a, there's, a, there's some kind of common ground because you both acknowledge that abortion is a sad and terrible thing. It's just a matter of where do you go from there, right? So those people, it's not too difficult to connect with them and to bring them over to, uh, bring, them, bring them into the light. But the rest, the kinds of people who are, you know, just so ecstatic and enthusiastic about abortion, well, they need a miracle. They need prayer. They can't be reasoned with. Okay, you, you can't argue with them. Only the Holy Spirit can change their minds by changing their hearts. 
But if God decides to hand them over to their depraved passions, then that's where they're going to stay. And we may have to figure out some other way to oppose them because they're beyond the reaches of debate or argument. The people like that. You know, like I said, in order to reason with someone and to convince them, you have to be able to connect with them on some level. And if you're dealing with someone who is, who's, eyes are welling up with tears of joy over the thought of dead children. Uh, and if you're dealing with someone who thinks that the very existence of women is, uh, it hinges on the ability to kill their own children. Well, someone like that, you know, you, you can't connect with them on any level at all. They, they barely have any kind of human conscience anymore. So we have to pray for them, pray very hard. And find, you know, we have to go and look and, and, and find any of the stragglers, any, any of the remaining, quote unquote, pro-choice people who still have a conscience and, 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 and do recognize in their hearts that this is evil. We got to find them first and enlist them because they can be reached. And then once we're left only with the, with the, uh, with the people with the satanic enthusiasm for killing babies, well, then we have to decide where to go from there. But it's a sad day uh, for, for the world, and so let's pray for um, Ireland and, and for the West and for our souls and for these children, the many, many children who will now die because of this. Thanks for watching, everyone. Thanks for listening. Godspeed.